Alright, First Corinthians eleven. Moving past the more controversial areas of chapter 11, we come to something that we talk about most every week. So, um, we'll see if, see if we can get a little less controversial. So, beginning in verse... Um, 17, and we'll go through the end of the chapter. It says, Now in giving these instructions, I don't praise you, for since you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions amongst you, and I believe it. For there must also uh, be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. In eating... Each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise, this? Uh, shall I praise you in this? No, I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said thanks. Uh, he said, uh, give. when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and also let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So for this reason, many are weak and sick and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord so that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you don't come together for judgment. And the rest, I will set in order when I come. A little ominous ending there. Uh, he's just trying to take care of some of the main things. So as we go through unity, and we're in the section that talks about what happens when we're together. And that's, quite frankly, where a lot of disunity comes from. It comes from the interactions and the things that we do or don't do when we're together, or the way we do the things that we do when we're together. So we're going to back all the way up. <clears throat> and he says, um, when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. What does that mean? Remembering that the overall topic is communion. Keep that in mind. What does he mean? You're, you're coming together and it's not for the better. Okay. Okay, so there's one problem. Well, we're gonna get, there's tons of problems, really, what they're, they're doing. And we're going to look at exactly why. Okay, there's more division than unity. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, 
you're not going to drink enough to have gotten drunk or to have gotten full. Uh, okay, so we're going to explain this is some of that. About having a meal together. Okay. Yes. Yes. So they had what was called a love feast. Okay. And we'll explain why and, and how and, and all the mechanics of it. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a cat, and there's like a laser on the ceiling, just so we all are aware of that. Um, so are you, because I see that when I'm preaching. I see like 50 heads. Um, well, I wasn't. Huh? I wasn't until now. I can't, I can't avoid it. Um, maybe we could shut one of those windows. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but... It definitely is. Can someone take care There's of the... There's her over there. Nope, not me. So far, so good. All right. Awesome. I, I won't even read then. I'll just refer it to him. All right, so, um, so, so they had a, what was called the love feast, um, and that went into communion. Okay, so, so it was kind of one joint thing, much like, much like the meal in the upper room after supper. And he says, after supper, Jesus took the bread, right? So, so there was a supper, it's like a fellowship dinner, and then the fellowship dinner Every week they had a fellowship. Can you imagine? We plan them more like oh, quarterly on the fifth Sunday or what, what, whatever we do. They had one every week. That's intense. Uh, Probably the men because it was harder to come together, and so they had to bring. Yeah, the logistics of the logistics of especially in Corinth. This might not have been done in every location. Um, so, um, so we're going to get back to that. Um, but what in general? Not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, church is designed, really, to the assembly is, is designed to, to be something which improves us. And here we are. You're, you're leaving in a worse mood than you came in. Right? You're leaving worse off spiritually than you came. The assembly didn't do anything for you. It didn't do what God has designed for it to do for you. And it's not the assembly's fault, it's your fault. I don't say this to praise you. Uh, there's nothing to praise here. Now, this is interesting. Uh, he says, um, I'm in a different version of the Bible than I studied this in. Um... Does anybody have a new King James? Right. Yes, thank you. Okay, or or ESV. Uh, can can you read the? Um, I'm not even sure which verse it's in because it's different. I think try verse 18. Okay, the word faction, hmm, that's interesting because it's, it's in this version too, is actually the word heresy. Isn't that interesting? Um, 
there are heresies amongst you. And he says, there must be heresy among you. So that those who are approved can be manifest. So this is a really complicated thing. Well, does God want heresy in the church? No, certainly God does not want heresy in the church. So we have to figure out why there must be heresies. So must can mean or imply two different things, can't it? Must can imply uh, intent. There should be. Right? You must do this. Right? It, that, that shows that I want somebody, if I'm an employer, I want them to do a thing. You must do this before the end of the day. Or I can be, like a detective, can be figuring out something. Well, the, this must have had happened. Right? His, the, no intent is, he's just stating facts or a conclusion based on what he sees. So, and I think that that's kind of the, the second one makes more sense. Certainly God does not want, and Paul does not want, heresy or factions, whichever the right translation would be. It's, it, it more has to do with heresy, and I believe it has to do with a particular false teaching of some type uh, that this must be. And now he's, and, and so then he says, that those who are approved, some of yours might have a word genuine, which is also an interpretation, not a translation. It says, those who are approved will be manifest among you. What does that mean? If this is a heresy, what's happening with these, with these divisions? Okay, so what what approved people? Well, if, if you ask the Mormon Church, it's the ones that tithe. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. It, it. Well, you've had the ones that have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Or the you know the extra holy gifts, so that kind of helps them show. Okay, so so if we were looking at it like this was an ideal situation, it seems like there would be an approved group of people that are leaders or whatever that would be amongst them. But he's saying that this is a part of their division and their heresy. This is the false teaching. And I think what he's saying here is that there's a heresy in which there are certain approved people, and what they are doing with the approved people is manifesting them. In other words, they're displaying them. That's what the word manifest means. It means displayed. How would you display people? If you wanted to set certain people, okay, you can in the right way. We would we would display we refer to leaders. Everybody knows who the the authority figures are. But if if in a negative sense, if there's a heresy having to do with this, how would you do that? Okay, you get first dibs on everything. Okay, we have a seat of honor. James talks about that. What else do you do when you have special people in church? What do they do? Okay, so all right, so let's talk about Pharisees. What did the Pharisees do? I mean, Jesus mentioned what you said. They they sit in the chief seats. What else did they do? Yeah, they wrote their own rules. That's that's for sure. Okay, they're very public. Yep, obnoxious, kind of ostentatious. Oh, clothing. Yeah. The, the, the clothing that designates you as a 
public thing, right? You're displayed. You're manifest. And we already know from the very beginning that they were doing this with, with the apostles. They were not I mean the apostles weren't a part of it, but they were they were attempting to, oh, I am of this group and I'm of this group and, and everyone they probably had their little uh, you know, while while Peter and Apollos weren't there, they probably had the fan club leader, <laughs> I assume. Uh, and they got the whatever the perks were or however that worked, you know, informally. But and I'm sure that they kind of looked the part. Right? We never see any religions today that, that have a person that sits in a special chair and wears special robes, has those special hats. Right? No religions do that anymore. We don't kiss their rings. And so he's talking about a heresy, a false teaching. This, is, this all connects to false teachings and he say, he's not there, he says, this must be going on. I'm pretty sure this is going on. All right. He's sleuthing this out. So verse 20, he says, Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. What does that mean? That's not the important thing. All right. He's not saying you. He, he's not saying that this is the ideal. You know, some people might read this and say, "Well, when we come together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper." That, that's not what he's saying. There's a there's a point that he's saying this is not to your credit that this is not the way it is. There's an ideal, and you are not fulfilling it. I like there's a different version. It kind of has a, a makes it maybe a little bit different, but I kind of like it also. And it says, "When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating." Like, I, I don't know what it is that you're eating, but it's not the Lord's Supper. It's a supper, but it's not the Lord's. They're eating it without a meaning. Right. Um, so, so, so the, there, we're, and so we're going to get into what has taken it off of the beaten path here. Um, so they're getting together. Uh, it had changed so much that it invalidated the idea of communion as a part of whatever it was. It was no longer recognizable as what God and what Christ had instituted. It's like they put the two together. They went right together in the upper room. They, they were at the same time. I mean, if you, if you go back and just read what happens in the upper room, I mean, it kind of says after, but it's it's all a part of one thing. I mean, it's, it's it, there's a slight transition. There's, there's not really, because when you read it, and there's this like, confusion as to who Jesus is talking about. Was it, you know, none of them think it's Judas. And they're all like, was it me? What? <laughs> there's kind of a, you know, it's not a somber, quiet reflection. Right? There's people talking, and it's like there's conversations that would bug us to no ends. But in the upper room, that that's what was happening. It was, a, and, and so it was kind of a connection uh, of. Right, and that that's the major thing, and we're going to see what the what the source of that uh, was. Um, <clears throat> 
So when you come together, it's not to take the Lord's Supper. It implies about our, it has a necessary implication about our assembly, or at least our Sunday assembly, that it is about the Lord's Supper as a primary reason for assembling. When you come together, it is to do this. We may do other things. Those are not why we gather. The sermon is secondary. I know that sounds crazy, because we think that's the biggest block of time, or single block of time. And singing is important. And Sunday school class is important. And they're all important. So I'm not, I'm not diminishing the importance of those things. But he says, you come together to do one thing. This is why you're intent. The one thing. The easy, I mean, really, I mean, other than singing, it's, it's got to be the easiest thing to do is to sit in a chair and eat something. And he's like, you guys somehow messed that up. To where Christ doesn't, he's like, you know, if Christ walked in here, he'd be like, what is that? You know. So, I do want to stop for just a moment in verse 18. Someone want to read verse 18? We read it, but I want to read it really close again. Anyone? For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Okay. Anybody have a different translation when you come together? Okay. Hmm. Okay, the word as is a word in Greek, it's ice. And ice is the word in. In church. Yes. I have the honest literal if you want that. Sure. Uh, for first, indeed, coming together in an assembly. I hear a division being among you. Okay. Partly, I believe. Okay, so it's in an assembly. That's what in church means, by the way. It, a lot of, we're not in church. Right? Yes, we are. We're in an assembly. Now, it doesn't make a difference where, and it doesn't make a difference the walls, but we are in an assembly. So you can go to an assembly. And once you go to the assembly, you are in the assembly. And those are all wonderful uses of this word, just so long as we understand right? it's referencing the people. But you can be in church, and you can go to church, just so long as we recognize what church is. Right? It is about the people. The idea that it is not about... Uh, a location is somewhat true. Uh, um, just kind of a... The idea that you can't be in the church if the church is never an assembly. Because that's the definition of the word. <laughs> the church is an assembly. It assembles. Right? Uh, 
every bit as much as fire departments put out fires, right? if they never go to a fire, they can have all the shiny trucks they want. They are not a fire department if they never put out fires. We are a church, we assemble. Right? So let's get back to the main topic. That's just kind of an incidental um, thing there. Verse 21 and 22. What is the main problem? Or one of the main problems? What are the different problems? How's that? Okay. That's one thing. What, what, what's going on? And, and you pointed this out. What, what's happening there? Being selfish. They're taking care of themselves. Okay. Not, not taking care of the ones who are... Okay. So, 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 we have, so we have some clash issues. They're getting what at church? Drunk. Drunk? Now, <clears throat> how does he address this? Now, he didn't say, why, why are you bringing alcoholic substances to, to church? He didn't say that. You notice that? This would have been a perfect place to put that in there if alcohol was in itself sin. This would have been a perfect place for him to address that issue. Oh, that's a good point. You, you would think, because their alcohol wasn't, all, it wasn't Jack Daniels. Let's put it that way. Okay, so, so there's an excess, there's a lack of self-control. Now we want to look at why, because that, that's not normal behavior. Self-entitlement? Okay, self-entitlement. It, it has to do with self, and we're going to see that. Um. So it appears that they've moved, now originally, uh, when we read other passages uh, um, in Acts, we'll see that churches that got together typically reserved the love feast and then communion for the end of service. Right? It was kind of their culmination. And that's how they, that's how they made it the focus. It's like we built, they built up to it, and now we conclude with it, right? like a grand finale. They seem to have shifted this to the beginning for some reason. We've got to detective this out. Um, and, and verse, let's skip down to actually the, the very end of the chapter, and then we're going to go back up. Because it's almost kind of like he's, he's concluding with some advice that really pertains to um, the earlier part of this. He says, so, brethren, when you come together... To eat, wait for one another. See, this is that thing. They're not waiting. They're doing it right out of the gates. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you don't come together for judgment and the rest I'll set in order. He'll fine-tune this when he gets there. So, so they've shifted it to the beginning for some reason. And, and, we, and we noticed one other thing. Who is kind of... Who is kind of... Uh, Left out in the cold here. Huh? The poor. And I think that's another important detail. They've moved it to the beginning. What do you think is going on? Why? What's that? Late. 
I, I don't think they had quite a, a, a feeling of on-timeness. Not a lot of timepieces back then. You know, look at the pendulum. And the, you know, the, the, the sundial. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a quarter past the... Oh, we're getting close. There's a class thing going on, isn't there? That's evident. What's the structure of Corinth? Let's go back to the structure of Corinth we talked about at the very beginning. Well, I mean, there's you got the members that are, you know, converted from the temple down the street. Okay, so, well, okay, so let's stop. There's a temple. Where's the temple located? Or the the the, the pagan temple? Okay, that's up on a mountain. What's right near there? The next little thing, right down the hill, just a little bit. It's called Upper Corinth. And who lives there? Upper people. The elites that can afford the property right next to the, the because they had previously gone there. They don't go there now, but they still live there. Where do you suppose the assembly was? Up there. That's probably where you're going to have an open forum of some sort, probably lots of open forums, or some public hall of some sort where they can gather together. <clears throat> okay. Now, what was? where do the rest of the people live? Way down, and I'm talking miles, okay? Down near the sea. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a big, long hill. So, so how, does, how does church happen on a Sunday? <coughs> Describe the process of getting together. Somebody's got to make food, so by the time you make it and you get your kids together and you walk all that way up there, okay. you're going to be later uh -huh. than some of those that are right there. Okay, now this explains why we have a lunch together, doesn't it? I get there, and it also possibly explains one of the reasons why we do it first. I'm kind of hungry. If I had to pack, I mean, we used to walk to 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 church in in uh, Nicopole, but we only walked. I mean, level ground was about a mile and a half because we had a shortcut that we could cut through a hospital. So it wasn't it wasn't really that awful, you know. Kids rode their bikes, push a stroller. We're there you know, like twenty five minutes. You're talking miles uphill in heat. That's Exhausting, right? And who who's coming from that distance? What, what what's the general description of the people coming from that distance? The poor. The poor. That's the merchant area. That's the urban area. What are they bringing with them? In some cases, nothing, as he says here. If they bring something, what is it? Small amounts. Basics. No, no yeah, basics. maybe a loaf of bread. Maybe they could make a loaf of bread. What do you think the condition is after hauling food? In hand. Miles. You think that's high quality food? So what's the conclusion of the rich people up on the top of the hill? What have they brought? What do you suppose? They bring, they, they bring nice stuff, because they have nice stuff. And they want to be sure they get their stuff. And they're going to make sure they get it. 
So we come together. Hey, the poor people aren't here. Let's get started. And that's what's going on. I'm pretty sure. As that seems like human tendency. My grandfather talked about going to a fellowship dinner and there was someone that made cupcakes and there was one that just seemed to be bigger and have more frosting and he went up to it and licked it. Because he was <laughs> going to be at the back. They, they used to not let the kids go first. The kids sat at the back of the line and wait till everyone goes through. <laughs> so my great-grandpa went up to it and threw it in the trash. Like, now you will have none. <laughs> uh, That's just a human thing. We, we want the nice one for ourselves. We want the... And that's what's going on. Except it's not kids, it's adults. And it's a class thing. We don't want them or people food. I'm going to share this with them and they're going to turn around and give me a loaf that road traveled, smooshed bread if they got anything. So they're scarfing down what they can scarf down before the poor people get there. And if you have anything of alcoholic content and you drink a lot of it in a short period of time, it's going to produce some necessary results. I don't care if it's got local alcohol content or not. It's going to do the job. And that's what's going on. So, let's talk about what the instruction about communion is about. Verse 24 through 26, or uh, is the part we read every week, or every other week. We alternate this with John 6 for communion, pretty much. Um, what has this passage been used to support that's not correct. Anybody think of anything? Maybe you're not familiar. Okay, you can't eat in the building. When you come together, it's not for that. It's not what he said. Because he just said, when you come together, wait for each other. So that's not what he said. You got to read the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know how people get this. How can you take one sentence or a part of one sentence and then down here you miss like the application. Paul makes the application. This is what he wants you to do. And then conclude that he wants you to do the exact opposite of what he just literally, and I mean that literally, not figuratively, literally told you to do. Wait for each other. Then eat. Oh, we're not supposed to eat. It's really not hard to read that and come to a right conclusion of what Paul is saying. So then what is he trying to say? What does he want them to do? It's communion. What part of union don't you understand? This is a together meal. There's a reason God wants it together. So do it together. It is not in the woods with your personalized communion kit. 
That is not what God intended. We come together and we do it here. Or there. Or wherever we are, that's where the assembly is. Christ's blood. What does that draw our mind to? Crucifixion. Death. Which is what? We say it every every week. Sacrifice. Christ sacrificed his blood. And you can't sacrifice a little of your nice, high-quality food. This is what he's saying. This is not the meal Christ instituted. Christ instituted a meal of sacrifice. Christ doesn't recognize whatever it is you're doing. There's no unity. That's not what Christ died for. Well, what's Christ's body? This goes to the same point. What is Christ's body? Okay, the bread. What else is Christ's body? Real food. Oh, it is. It's, yes. I am I'm the true bread which comes from heaven. The church is his body. Isn't that interesting? Unity is a part of sacrifice. You have none of it, so I'm not quite sure if you're Christ's body. <coughs> That's what he's telling them. This is about unity. You've got to have unity. Otherwise, communion means nothing. It's just drinking a little teeny tiny bit of something and eating a little teeny tiny bit of something. <coughs> so he warns them about the misuse of it. What does it mean to partake in a worthy manner? I think, I mean, we kind of think that, you know, partaking in a worthy manner is somber, quiet, praying. I think it has more to do with the content of your life. Okay. All right, we're, we're going to, there's a lot of things in here that, that it does not mean that I have to be perfect to take it. <coughs> Because he didn't say, take being worthy. You know, you can't do that. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that they were not treating it with the respect. Right. And they were doing it to eat and get drunk. Right. And not for the practice and the purpose of remembering the right. sacrifice that was, it was implemented. Right. They, they, they're keeping it merely as a tradition and nothing more. Tradition is fine if it's a God-given tradition. But if you're going to keep the tradition of God, you have to do it with the mentality that's behind the tradition he gave it. Otherwise, it's just a pointless tradition. So, um, so we have to take it in a worthy manner. I, I skipped over something, and I want to back up to it, because it talks about proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. What and to whom do 
we proclaim? I mean, the Lord's death, but maybe focus on the to whom that we're proclaiming. Okay. He's not talking about a, the preaching of the gospel. That's, that's, that tends to be what people think when they think of proclaiming. We're proclaiming something to several groups. And the assembly was not specifically about the unsaved. There are places in 1 Corinthians where he says, listen, if an unbeliever does enter, so, so it was a possibility, but it was not the design of the assembly was not to gear it towards converting people. That was not... In the assembly, they taught. They preached the gospel outside of it. Um, it's just the idea of Christ's suffering was always close to their minds and hearts. Okay. So, so, so... Okay, you know, yeah. To me, I've always also thought that proclaiming it to God. Yes. All right. And he, and he was raised. Right. So, so you're making an announcement to God that I'm still all in. A week's gone by, and I, I'm still as committed as I was the, the, the first time I, I decided this. Uh, you do announce to the world. People understand you go to church. It is a, an important part of your life. I'm going. I'm doing this thing. Hey, why don't you come... Uh, uh, to the Super Bowl party, we got we're we're gonna be here all day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got more important things to do. What do you got more important? We're going tailgating. Yeah. You eat your sausages. I'm gonna have Christ. More important. More significant. I'm I make that proclamation. I go. Weird. But if I'm consistent, then it establishes the precedent with those people. That this is not a part of my life that I sacrifice. And it tells them, or maybe suggests to them that it's a, it's a part of life that's important. So there is a proclamation to the world. But I announce to my brothers that I'm a part of them in this. That's why it's a together thing. So I want to get back to uh, to the uh, verse 27 to 32. So to take in a worthy manner doesn't mean I'm worthy of it, because that will never happen. But it's the manner in which I take it, the attitudes with which I take it, the things happening while I take it, respect for his body, not just his physical, personal body of Christ, but the body of Christ the church. It doesn't mean the cram session right before the bread gets to me because it's two aisles away and I'm, I don't feel worthy yet and I've got to hurry up and think, think, think. That's not, not what he's saying. It's with the right attitude. And we look at God's response to not taking. What is God's response to not taking in the right manner? Verse 30 says, That is why many among you are weak and sick in the number of the Okay, what does that mean? 
I, I, I'm not. I, I go back and forth on this one. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, so that much I can, without having to figure any details out, I can see that one. What's that? Okay, so you're going through the motions, and God takes that serious. Okay. Okay, so, so that language is used in other places in, in Corinthians, and I, I, I know I've gone through it before, and, and I've kind of pointed those out. People also wait spiritually. It's like that. They only their hearts and their hearts and minds are far from you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an idiom. It's like we say pass away. We, we put a nice idiom on it because dead sounds kind of harsh. So they had their own idioms. So some are weak and sick, and some have even died. And, and that's what whether he's talking again about spiritual death or physical death. Now, it doesn't seem to be a lot of people. He says some have even. That's like a small percentage. And we know that in the first century, there were some examples made, aren't there? Physical examples. Ananias and Sapphira, probably a little bit more. Huh? So, so, uh, so that does happen. An occasion. God says, listen, this is really out of control here, and I'm going to make an example. It doesn't mean every time every person is in the wrong, they're going to you know, die of a heart attack or something right on the spot. I'm sure there were other people who didn't tithe or give correctly or whatever and didn't die. But you see right after Ananias and Sapphira, there's, like, Ooh, there's a little shakeup in the church and people were a little scared. God makes an example. And I think this is the first time possibly in the, in the, in the early church history that the, the communion itself has been disrespected. And God says, listen, that's Christ you're disrespecting. And I take that serious. And it's the, that's the church and that's the poor. And you're disrespecting them and they're a part of you. And I take that serious too. So I might make an example of a few of you. I, so I, I tend to lean that way now. I used to not think that, but I tend to lean that way. The Bible talks very strongly, too, in numerous places, that God disciplines people yes. in order to get your attention. And he says that here. And that's what, to me, this is... Yep. Whether you recognize it or not, right. that's between you and he says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, so there is that punishment um, aspect of this. Um, we should note that Paul says there are a few that fall into this category. It's not like half the church is being wiped out. Okay? This is not the plague and hold up the, the snake and um, but it's not the final judgment, but it's just it's a loving father trying yeah. to fix these situations and people aren't going to be condemned. Right. I think Mark, it, it feels like nobody says that if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. I feel like that implies that going back to you know eating before other people, that there was a lot of pride and self worth and right. self entitlement. Right. I'm above these right. people. And it's the humility that you come to 
remembering the sacrifice that the no one's not perfect. I've done lots of things wrong. Right. And I'm I not better than anybody else here, and I still don't deserve this. But there's that that aspect of looking at yourself and determining. Okay. Yeah, so so there's this examination that he talks about. And that's a part of this. And he says, examine what? Not just yourself, but what? Yourself with respect to? To communion. Right? The Lord's body. And so we go back. He's not, he's not merely asking us to reflect on Christ. This is deeper than that. We do that. We think about Christ. But he's like, you better be examining your relationships with the people you're sitting next to. This is vital. Because for failing to do that and throwing the church into major division, some of you ain't going to make it. That is important. And I, we have this feeling that we separate then, oh, that was then. I don't know that God doesn't do that now. I, I'm not going to say that God doesn't do that now. He reserves the right. And so, so it's important first. The examination is of ourselves a remembrance of Christ and what Christ's death is significant of. And a part of that is the unity that God wants, the, the right attitudes, the right behavior towards people. Any thoughts as we close? Okay, you're dismissed. <laughs>